ever wondered how people have managed to shatter the corporate, social and entertainment glass ceiling? Well, so have I. Welcome to another episode of On The Meted Couch with me, Kati Dijani. I have a very beautiful guest with me. I am so excited to have her on the show. Her name is Ayanda MVP. We all know her as Ayanda Mdluli. She is a Y presenter, an MC and DJ. We recently met at the launch of Casper Nyoves' recent album launch and I'm excited to have her. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this podcast and I am so excited to dig into your success journey. So Ayanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it. And thank you so much for allowing me into your space. Like, I mean, I only met you a couple of weeks ago and you're like, yeah, come through. Why not do the interview? So thank you so much. Thank you for actually asking me to come through. It is a pleasure. And it's also good to know what's going on with other people that are actually the ones also doing interviews. Because, yes. you know, I barely get interviewed, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Immented Couch is basically... Okay, Minted is, is a sort of like a swag word to say people who, who are established, people who are moneyed. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I took the inspiration of Lelo Kamalelo because, you know, a lot of young people are grinding in society and I, I have so much um, admiration and I take inspiration, you know, from my peers doing well for themselves. And basically, we just wanted to dissect and investigate how you guys have managed to do it how you know how you define success for yourself and how you are able to maneuver your way around it so basically that's the whole inspiration behind a podcast here too and basically we just want to get to know you outside of the mind uh, take us back to your childhood the case at N and what inspired you to you know to be in this broadcasting environment i and didn't grow up in kzn hey i was born in kzn but, but like, how old were you when you moved to... I was Georgia? about, what? Uh, I was like two, three years old. Okay. Yeah, so I was really... So um, That's the thing. Parents. People write their own things and they <laughs> come up with their own situations. And then when we Google these things and then we come with this... And I just leave it as it is because I'm like, okay, write, write what you wish to. But this is nice when people actually have the opportunity to sit down with me like we're doing right now mm. to actually talk about it. I, I didn't grow up in KZN. Okay. But because I'm from KZN, mm. during school holidays, and KZN is not Durban because a lot of people associate everyone from KZN coming from Durban. Mm-hmm. I'm from the rural areas, Kwanongoma. You know, born in Benedictine Hospital, Kwanongoma. Mm-hmm. close to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So going to Durban for us was even a luxury because we didn't know the city life. Mm-hmm. And when my dad was promoted to move to Joburg, that's when he was like, I'm taking my entire family. Because mm-hmm. um, I think back then, a lot of the times families thought, Mawie Goli, that's where you find more opportunity. Yeah. And that's where you can even upskill, not just you alone, but your kids as well. Yeah. So my dad was like, yeah. and that's that's how it happened. And then yeah. we were off. When I was like three years old, that's when we actually moved to Joburg. And it was like everybody's story of coming from the rurals. Wherever you come from, you'll start at your Berea, your Hillbro. Yeah. So that's where we started off. And then maybe when I was ending off primary school, my dad eventually bought a house in Alberton South and okay. that's when we moved to the East Rand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still so in love with just schooling in the Joburg area because I also started joining things like art, dramatic art curriculums or extramural activities as mm-hmm. we call them. So I really enjoyed this acting and you know doing stuff on stage but I didn't know how to associate it or what to associate it with. Okay. 
And when I eventually grew up, I realized that I was getting ready for high school. I really enjoyed acting. So I asked my parents, can you take me to the National School of the Arts? Mm. They're like, no, we can't. Because you're a straight-A student and you just got a bursary from this all-girls school. I'm just like, yeah, but I want to act. <laughs> yeah. I want to do drama. They're like, listen, there's a bursary here for you to go to school. Yeah. If you want to go to the school, find a bursary. Oh, okay. And I think that's when I first started learning to be um, a person who takes their own initiative. Mm. So I didn't want to go to the school that I felt was going to be boring and yeah. it's already all girls. I already come from an all girls primary school. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, I can't do this one anymore. <laughs> but I really was in love with being on stage. I didn't mm. know why. So National School of the Arts was hosting auditions, but I made it through the auditions. I just needed the money now. Do you remember when Omo was giving away bursaries? Mm. They were having a competition where you had to like, describe while for high primary school kids going into high school mm. you had to paint the perfect picture of where you see yourself in the future yeah. so i did this beautiful collage of me having graduated yeah. and i want a bursary so i could take myself to the school i wanted to it was sort of like a vision board if you yes it was and then it took me through the first three years of high school mm. and then fortunately i landed a TV presenting show on SABC3 yes. and that's when I landed an opportunity to even pay for my metric dance <laughs> yeah, and yeah. everything else because like I said I don't come from a family of wealth but I came from a family that took a lot of initiative mm -hmm. so for me I was like if I want it I have to go and get it and yeah. I guess that's how I've always been in general yeah, yeah, so yeah. that pretty much paints the picture of how I moved from KZN mm. into Joburg but the moment I grew up understanding that I was so um uh, what you call it? I was resonating so much with entertainment. Yeah. I was like, I need to do something more here. So basically, it was ingrained from like an, an an early age. It was okay. This is where I want to be. Did you see yourself? I mean, when you said to your parents, "What's beganla?" I mean, I wanna be in entertainment. But that's the thing. I didn't know it was gonna be radio yet. Oh, I yeah. didn't know it was gonna be radio. All I knew is I wanted to be on stage acting. Okay. So mm -hmm. going to NSA, studying drama learning accent work, characteristics, learning how to impersonate people. Mm. That was really fun. But when I got to varsity, I was like, okay, I've done the drama. I can't go and do drama again. So I decided, let me get a psychology and criminology degree. Yes. Let me study that. Yeah. And then I saw this campus radio station and I was like, hey, I've got a voice. And and by the way, when my parents used to describe me as a kid, I was always a child with a bass. So Songkis got Ben Kulumanga bass. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I can use this voice for something. Radio was never part of the plan. I never yeah. envisioned it. But wow. I listened to radio all the time. My dad bought us a radio because we only had one TV ending. Mm. And obviously on weekends the TV belongs to the parents. Mm. up on the what's it omnibus. Omnibus. Generation seven the land. And my dad was like, here's a radio and we just fell in love. So mm -hmm. I memorized all the radio stations. I was always listening yeah. on Saturday because all the radio stations had their top 40 countdown. Yeah, yeah, Whether yeah. it was 947 or 5 or why. It was, that's how I and my sister fell in love with radio. Mm -hmm. And when I got to campus, I was like, oh, I can try this out. Me, I've got a good voice. Yeah. I can speak well. Let's see how we go. Yeah. Made the auditions. And I was like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the fact that what I had studied in terms of dramatic arts mm. and speaking to people mm. was ingrained in me so much so that I started putting it out on radio. So every time any presenter is on radio, it's a performance. Mm. We know that we have to brace ourselves. We know that you always have to warm up your vocal cords. You know that mm. you always have to come up with something that's going to grab their attention. Yeah. And that's when I fell in love with radio. And I think at some point I was in love with radio more than I was my schoolwork. <laughs> because at some point, yeah. it's going to be time for you to be expelled here because yeah. you're not passing. I was like, okay, I'm a pass. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And while I was still doing my degree, that's when I was scouted by the then program manager, Tumelo, 
to come to YFM yeah. and do back. This was 2013, doing graveyard shift from graveyard. Eventually got a daytime on weekends, 12 to 3, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. That was MVP zone. And then moved into weekday mm. till about 2017. And then I got a call from Ravi Naidu, who was then uh, station manager at 947. Yeah. And then I went to 947 for five years and I was like, this is so much fun. This is really cool. But I feel like I'm growing up too quickly. Mm. I feel like I need mm -hmm. to touch base with a lot of people that are actually my fans, the young people. Because I always used to get parents saying, can I take a picture with you? My child is going to be so jealous. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I love that your child is going to be jealous, but I think your child listens to me more than you <laughs> listen to you do, yeah. So true. I was like, if this is a trend and it keeps being a trend and it's always, a, oh, I know the kids love you. I'm like, why am I not speaking to the kids then? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I was like, you know what? I have to speak to the kids. And it was so fortunate at that point that Kuto Teledi had been given an opportunity to go to Metro Imagine, FM. Yeah. And they were like, but who else is going to hold the reins at Y for our drive time show? And Hasina Kassim called me and I was on vacation. I'll never forget. I was in Mexico. Mm -hmm. She's like, I need you. I'm like, what do you need me for? Drive. I'm like, say less. <laughs> say less. I am on I'm my way. way. <laughs> and before I even landed the show, I already had a vision. Like, I wanted wow. to know that in, in a year's time, people were going to be saying phrases from the show. People mm -hmm. are going to be excited about the show. People are going to be running into me saying, I listen to your show, do you, etc., etc. That's what I had built because I wanted to see how much I could be youthified mm -hmm. with young people when it came to radio. Because yeah. now, as a person, oh, oh, same I mean, I was at Y before, back in my prime youth. Now yeah. I'm still in my youth, but I'm back at Y mm -hmm. as like the big sister. Mm -hmm. So now, what role am I playing and how can I go about having these conversations? Yeah. So those are many questions that are asked, but we managed to figure them out through the types of, we call radio um, segments that we have on our show features. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. features that I was thinking up. Yeah. I needed to make them catch you for the young and the old. Yeah. So I can also describe, we start the show with a red light, green light. Mm. Like red light, green light is how your day is looking according to the robot. Mm. Is it a red light because it's like bad because yeah. you're not having a great day or is it a green light because it's good? And then sometimes kids sending voice notes. Mm. I'm having a green light because my cousins came to visit. It's yeah. their school holidays. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. And it makes it more interactive versus an adult who's like, I'm having a red light. I just hit a pothole, my tie's flat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, everybody, problems, yeah. everybody gets to have their piece mm. of me and enjoy me. And that's yes. what I think I was chasing at the same time. And that's why I came back to why. Yeah. And looking at things now, a year and a half later, so mm. far, so great. Yeah. It was yeah. a good call. Mm -hmm. um, and then, okay, so when you were young, I, I guess sometimes parents just see the character in Danabo. Mm. Okay, this person, um, when you said it was okay, I, I want to gravitate towards entertainment. Did you receive the kind of support that um, yielded the kind of passion that you, you you have? Because I know a lot of entertainers or people um, in this industry, before their parents were like, no, there's no way you're going there. Mm. Um, so did you get the support from your family? Yes, I, I can say I did because I think my family already knew that I was made for the stage. Mm. I was the one who was entering, my mom would enter me in pageants. And I won the pageants, but I didn't want a model. Um, I, I've been nice. a, like, uh, my dad paid for my dance classes when I was young. I did ballet and stuff till about like grade four. Okay. And then ballet, obviously, because we're such a big family now, we have to focus on school. Mm. So I had to leave all these artsy-fartsy things. But my parents already knew what I'm about performance. I'm about, and I honestly think it's because I'm the middle child and I wanted attention. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think with that, that attention came to me and how I wanted it to come 
through being on TV or being on the stage because I was entering talent shows and I was always winning. Like any competition I entered, I'd win. And I was just wow. like, geez, okay. Wow. And it's in different places. One is in Jobek, one's in yeah. Victoria, in Wiener. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. But I think my parents already knew I had a calling for that. Mm. So when they were like, no, if you want to find a bursary for your school, then find you a bursary. Okay, awesome. We don't have a problem, but find a bursary. But why the shift when you were young? Why the shift from dramatic arts to something very serious like psychology and criminology? At some points, apparently, you wanted to study law. Why? Well, you know, I wanted to study law, mm. but I couldn't because the, the faculty was already full. Yeah. And one of the modules or two of the modules that you could get, um, that I wanted to prepare for in case I thought maybe after I finish this degree, I'll be going back to law. You'd have to have psychology as mm -hmm. well as criminology under okay. your belt with a, e, a EPA law degree. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, let me do psychology and criminology. And then when I'm done with it, then I'll start my law. By then, there'll probably be space open for me to join. But things didn't plan out the way they But did why the change? Like, it's so... it's. Is it not like quite not, different? Not really, no. Because in and the weird thing is in drama, mm. you're you're told or you you learn to study people. You learn to study mm. people's behavior because you're becoming a different character. Okay. Um, and because I'm someone who took it very seriously, I was always studying the character that I'd be given for like a monologue or an exam piece that we do in high school. Mm. And it just went so well with psychology because psychology is the scientific study of behavior mm. in human beings mm. in general. And it helps a lot in radio as well because I can see when you come into studio how tense you are. Oh, nice. Without you saying I'm nervous, I can see what tense low okay. They don't speak much, so let me play with them more oh, or let nice. me conversate with them more okay. off air. So by the time we come on air, they probably even swear by mistake because they're so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I loved studying Ilenduza, is psychology. On the other hand, with criminology, it's just the investigative part and the deducing of information mm. because you always need to have some sort of background of how to take away the right information when you're going to talk about it on mm. air. So if there's... Remember that situation about the lady who was exposed for stealing nappies? Okay. The one okay. who they took a video of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took a video of her. She was stealing nappies and they told her to take out all the nappies and the ladies were recording and saying, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then a popular celebrity reposted that video. Mm. So when I talk about it on air on Monday, I'm not going to say, this lady posted this video and I think it's just so sad what women do teach other. No, the situation is everyone was at fault here. But I want to know from you who you think was at fault. Mm. The lady was stealing the nephews, sure, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rife in our community, but a lot of people are going through poverty. Yeah. The people who took the video were the ones who could have actually just said, you know what, we don't want to embarrass you towards the community because now you're exposing it to everyone else and mm. you're already identifying her as a, yeah. as a criminal when she was just making sure that her child has nappies. Yeah. Thirdly, the person who has a huge following posting that reposted, video, yeah. reposted it when you could have just gone Swelled to that, that specific shop and mm. said, so who is gaining here and who is losing or who is mm. the person who is in the wrong? And then the listener can decide for themselves. Instead of me saying, this person's wrong, let's attack this person. And I think, and I think the thing with social media is that we've created this whole paparazzi scenario for ourselves where instead of maybe helping out, you'd rather take the video for clicks and likes and shares. Instead of like, you know, being, like bringing Ubuntu to, to, to the scene. So what would you say in terms of a platform in radio? Like, what social issues that do you enjoy talking about? Because we, we did mention, we say, I mean, young people right now are going through a lot. So, like, what social issues do you enjoy addressing through your platform? I love addressing all the social issues. Yeah. It's how we actually approach them that make it interesting for the listener. Mm. We, on Home Run, the show is so lighthearted, but in the 5 o'clock hour, let's say around 25 past 5, that's when we start with really 
like debates that make you think about yourself. Yeah. On home run, the point is not to get your own point across and only validate yours. Mm. It's to also make sure other people have their own opinions. Yeah. For example, not too long ago, we were discussing if you as a person value validation or affirmation more. And that a young person is, know, is learning what the difference is between validation and affirmation. Yeah, yeah. And also someone else could then say, like someone's in the voice note saying, ah, Ayanda, you can't value validation when you have to keep affirming yourself. I'm like, yes, but we're validated from a young age. When you yeah. learn how to crawl, everybody's like clapping hands exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So conversations like that, number one, are important because we need to understand how we interpret ourselves as young mm. people, how we see ourselves as young people. Mm. But then we also challenge ourselves. Yeah. Like that situation yeah. I mentioned with the, the three ladies with the nappy yeah. social media situation. Mm. There's so many conversations we can have that we can always make sure the listener can give their opinion. But at the same time, younger people yeah. that don't really have an opinion are learning. Yeah. So some, some days, some homie is going to learn. You know what? Ayanda once spoke about validation and affirmation. Mm -hmm. And I think I need to learn how to affirm myself yeah. more, I think. Yeah. Or on a certain like situation, for example, yesterday, we're talking about if rituals mm -hmm. in sports really actually help the outcome yeah. of the game because <laughs> yeah. that's our friends yeah. and I was like and, and I know it happens but I had to act like I didn't know it happened I'm like people actually do this and then yeah. the listener's like yeah look I used to play for a team but that's that's pretty much it so any situation or conversation we do have we focus a lot on uh, the socioeconomic issues that we go through at the same time we're not trying to insult anyone because we don't want to now put aimless blame on things and we don't want to be that show that just shouts words and yeah. says home run said this or that. We want people, want, they want government to say, we want to sponsor the show because yeah. they're speaking to the youth. So let's nice. carry on speaking with them. Okay. So we tailor make our content to make sure that it's relevant to young and old. And by old, I mean like the youth range. Yeah. Because there are different phases of youth. Also, yeah. you've got your, your schooling youth, you've got your varsity, young adult youth, and then you've got your, I'm growing, I've got kids, but I'm still finding my way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody has something to say in that journey. And then success, how, how do you define it? How did you define it, define it then? How do you define it now? I define success as evolving your brand. Mm. For me, if your brand is consistent yeah. and it's forever changing or it's forever surprising, then it, for me, that's successful. Mm. I don't mark it by the campaigns or the work that I've done because everybody can do campaigns, everyone can do work. But for someone to come up to me and say, I under MVP, P, 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 Mm. It's that's that's a long time relationship that we're gonna have way before the brands come and go. Yeah. So for me, it's how I've managed to evolve or grow in your heart or your mind versus the money in my bank account. Yeah. Because yeah. also as a munto miyama, we're never we're never wealthy. Yeah. Because it always has to go back to home. Everybody <laughs> sure. always. Like, but that's how I measure success for me. Okay. It's how you manage to be consistent and evolve your brand every single time i mean you've been consistent from high school to now um so what do you think you know um contributed or attributed to you know the discipline that you had i mean the fact that you've been headhunted i mean a lot of people really struggle to break into any industry whether it's entertainment or corporate or whatever they really struggle and the fact that you know you've been called you've been headhunted what do you think set you apart to make people like see you and see that you can add so much value to the table? That is a very good question. I will tell you when I also find the answer. Because <laughs> okay. I won't lie, I don't know what Dumelo saw in me when he mm. was listening to me back at campus station. Mm. I don't know what Ravi heard in me. Because yeah. when Ravi was listening to me, he was listening to a young girl on why. Like, yo, what's going on? Yeah. And, and at some point he had to refine me and say, okay, you can't say words like that. Mm. You can't say, 
but I survived for five years and I was loved for five years. You know what I remember? Yeah. I felt like I'm being spent on a walk or I'm Oh, I'm so sorry. So I remember this every Friday, we would wait for it. One, two, one. We, we made, made it to the weekend. <laughs> you see what I that mean? That was my favorite part of that. <laughs> exactly. I think, I honestly think that I find that if I'm happy in what I do, I need to make sure that I make people happy. Mm. So my job, I'm the girl next door when you describe me on radio, honestly. Yeah. I'm that, like, if you're listening to me, you want to hang out with me. So mm. I wanted to achieve that, but how can I make it memorable? And I'm a musical person. Yeah. I love music. I love singing. Like, there will always be a singing feature on my shows, where, whichever radio station I'm at. Like, we had lunchtime karaoke. I mean, everybody loves We Made It to the Weekend. <laughs> yeah. This side, they sing it back at 10 past 5. <laughs> yeah. It's 10 past 5, which means it's time to sing it back. You see what I mean? Yeah. So those catchy things for yeah. me is what I thrive on because they're forever happening in my head. Yeah. And it's, 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 I think, what makes me unique or stand out because I really embody music when okay. it comes to broadcasting. And I don't think I'll go to a talk station anytime soon mm-hmm. until I, I've really done the music and I'm, I'm done with music yeah. in me. Yeah. But that's basically how I got away with it. Yeah. Okay, what would you say was your most embarrassing scenario or interview or a situation where you're like, I really wish this didn't happen in terms of my, my career, whether it was on air or... Oh, definitely. I remember that. I just remember which year. Hmm. But I remember it was this month because it was Heritage Month and I was asking listeners on 947 to send me voice notes hmm. of how they greet in their home language and I was going to repeat it after. So some guy sent a voice note saying something in Indian. So, or Hindu, uh, excuse me, I'm not sure what the name of the, the how the language goes. Yeah. But they said something and then I started saying it. And then the phone line started going crazy. So I just kept saying it and saying it. <laughs> I'm on the fourth floor, 947, the old building, we're on the fourth floor. Sales building, I think, was on the fifth or the sixth floor, if I'm not mistaken. Fifth wow. floor. There are two ladies that are Indian that work in the fifth floor. They ran downstairs and they're like, stop saying what you're saying. Wow. I was actually swearing at people on radio. No and way. I was just like, oh my gosh, bury me right now. Why would they do that though? Because some people are idiots. Okay. And I was so embarrassed. But everybody else thought it was funny. Because now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, BCCSA. It was an innocent feature. I was panicking. Ravi, I was like, oh, relax. Don't yeah. worry about it. These things happen. But yeah. I, I still, in, in me, I was just like, oh, like, as a perfectionist, I should have double-checked. I should have asked. I should have done my research. I should have found out. Mm-hmm. Sure, I brushed it off, but I was like, that is never going to happen to me again. Yeah, yeah. And that was very embarrassing. I, I also had the most embarrassing, most, and I won't say now because I'm still trying to heal. There was someone <laughs> yeah, that heal first, eh? Yeah, I'll heal first. Yeah. And maybe after 10 years, I don't think I'm going to get over it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I interviewed someone. He was a comedian. It went so bad. You know, like, you did your preparations then. Mm. And then there's this question that went so wrong mm. that you, you can read in it your mood. Mm. You were so put off that I kind of stumbled. Now, seeing a penny. The interview was so bad. I don't know how I managed to, to write that article. And, yeah, like, for the life of me, I feel like, yeah, it was one of the worst experiences. Mm. And it made me question, which, am I really meant to be in this, in this game? That's how mm. bad it was. So, um... Did you forgive yourself? I'm trying to. <laughs> That's the first way. I had to forgive myself. It was hard. Yeah. I was like, look, we fucked up. But yeah. We right. Okay. This is a booger. So booger. Yeah. yeah, I was pinned this booger. Um, I mean, you also, you mentioned you love music and you're a DJ. Yes. 
you love hip hop. Yes. Hip hop is turning fifty this year. Yes. Has turned fifty actually this year. What would you say is is the contribution that hip hop in South Africa um, made to change a culture and to shape young people or people in terms of how they they view themselves, the, their country, and their grind? I think hip hop has hip hop has a way of selling us a person that we want to be or a person that we want to become. Mm. A lot of the times you'll find, especially back in the day, a lot of the hip-hop artists would rap about the fancy cars, yeah. the nice clothes, mm. the nice house, but we don't have that. But it doesn't mean because we don't have it, we can't speak about it because hip-hop is manifestation as it goes in mm. terms of your lyrics and how you speak it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about hip-hop. And that's why I think I gravitate a lot towards hip-hop because of how the words were said and the play on words yeah. and the production and the beats. Mm. And we have to also understand that when the culture of hip-hop was identified as ciphers, it was identified as who's bigger than who. And now the culture has changed so much so that we're painting stories of what we're going through in our daily lives. Mm. And in certain situations, I don't want to sing about it, but I do want to listen to someone talk about it or rap to me about it. So I think in 50 years of hip-hop in South Africa, we've mm -hmm. evolved now where we're telling honest stories, but we're still manifesting, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I can still rap about wanting to have that nice car or you people can't really handle me on the mic when I come through because when I rap from the dome, you are nonsense like a cone. I, yeah. I don't know how to rap. That's the thing. But I resonate a lot with hip-hop because it was um, music that I identified with. Mm -hmm. And because I came from KZN, but I really didn't have the queens I wasn't um what you because I wasn't in that space the space I was in was a hub a city of gold that was speaking something that was you know really trendy and really cool and really vibey young people like to be attracted by nice things yeah and I think at that point hip-hop was becoming so nice back in the day when you had like the ciphers happening at Slahes with Abu 985, Abu Zakwe, Abu Pro Kid, when they used to have these events and stuff, it was so epic. And I think that's what hip hop is doing right now. It's also giving us a culture of belonging to a certain type of music. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be culturally orientated. Because yeah. Lana, we have 11 official languages, we have different traditions and cultures. Yeah. But there's one thing that always unites us and that would be hip-hop music because I can listen to a Madlera Doughboy. I don't understand what he's saying. Yeah. But the boy is flowing and I'm no, just like, good. whoa, he's okay, good, yeah. uh, 25K. They've all had mm -hmm. to bring up their own ways of communicating what's happening in their areas. Yeah. And they can't do it with their traditional origin of music um, because I'm assuming 25K and Madlera would be Tswana speaking yeah, people. Yeah. But they're not following a Tswana way of making music. Because yeah. as young people, unfortunately, we like things that come with the cool. Yeah. And that's what hip-hop is for us. It's trendy. so cool. And I think music is, it's true what they say, that it's a universe. It's it's a it's a universal language. You, yes. know? Uh, you might not necessarily understand the, the, the lyrics, but I think... It speaks to the soul, like the soul of the music itself can can really get to. So, Ayanda, apart from broadcasting, apart from emceeing and DJing, like how do you plan to expand your your your, your brand, your corporate um, identity, or your business goals? My corporate identity, I expand through my initiatives with mm -hmm. my, for example, MVP Netball Challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a netball challenge that I, by the way, going to NSA, we didn't have sports, so mm -hmm. I never did sports back in high school. I only started playing netball two, three years ago. 
and I and now I'm a goal shooter, you know, I'm killing yeah. it, you know. I went, I got an injury, I had to go through surgery, we recovered though, we're gonna get back in the game. I'm an athlete. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I couldn't have been an athlete because I couldn't afford to do extramural activities. My parents couldn't afford buying another pair of shoes or uh, like helping me with another sort of sport yeah. that I wanted to do. Yeah. And a lot of the kids who are really good at playing netball can't even make it to matches because they can't afford to buy Dalimale transport. So that's why I started the initiative. And I think for me, when it comes to corporate work, um, I am a corporate DJ or MC, but for me, it's more getting corporate money to give back to the community. And through the love of sport is what I've been doing. So mm -hmm. I do it with initiatives like the MVP Netball Challenge through the Sizagele Foundation. Yeah. And it happens every year now. It's growing more and more each year to a point where next year we might be doing it at all the um, action sports that are around in Gaudet. Nice. And then one day it's going to be national. Mm -hmm. So with my goal, it's definitely to grow the love of netball, mm -hmm. like ever so vastly, because it's not just a sport that's played by ladies only. Guys even play it as well. We mm -hmm. even have a South African nice. Proteus team. They're yeah. killing it. Yeah. Nice, nice, and nice. It, it's just good to know that I fell in love with the sport that I think everyone can learn to grow and love and appreciate. Mm. And it'll be, uh, we've also been represented so well by our South African team. I mean, they represented us so beautifully at the Nepal World Cup. Yeah. And I think those are opportunities that I want to expand more on because training or just being healthy is life. And having or being able to be able to jump and catch a ball at a young age mm. maybe might prohibit you from getting an injury at an older age. So if I had played netball and my bones were strong and you said some money, Maybe I wouldn't have had to go for surgery because okay. I sprained a bone in my... Because mm. being a dry air, I wasn't yeah. used to it. Yeah. So all my physical activities came when the money came and I could afford to pay, you know, yeah. to train, pay to go to a physio after a mm. session, especially if it was hectic. But at the young age, you just rely on playing outside. What do you think is the role of mentorship for one's success? Um, are you mentored? Do you believe in mentorship? I absolutely do believe in mentorship. Mm. I believe in it a lot. Uh, and um, I don't have one mentor. Mentee. Yes, mentor. Mentor. Hey, it's long, I'm right? the mentee. You are the mentee. Yeah. And the I, I don't have one mentor. I have many because these people are busy people. Mm. But I also pick my battles with who I want to address certain situations with. Mm. Um, especially if it, it's, it's a situation where I need to be that business-minded person or that corporate-minded person mm. or that broadcasting-minded person. Mm. I speak to different people about it. Okay. And when people come to me, I feel like Every time you want to approach someone who's in that career, mm. you need to show them what you're doing. Yeah. If you want to come to me and say, hey, please mentor me. I, I want to learn how to DJ. Do you have music? Do you know what genre you want to play? Mm. Do, do you know what BPM means? Are you going all out to actually tell me how much you want this so mm. I can help mm. you out? Or are you just saying, I want to DJ. Okay, you want to DJ. Uh, do you know your music? Do you yeah. know? I remember when I wanted to start DJing, I, I was hearing... DJ's playing music, and I was like, no, I heard the song on Channel All. Let me go ask the DJ that. Yo, do you have Kid Ink's Man of the Hour? No, I don't. Okay, cool. Hey, do you have the song? No, I don't. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm like, nah, man, this guy doesn't always have the song. Let me go and make the... That's how I became a DJ. I was yes. like, I'm right hearing this new stuff. I want to hear it. Mm. Like, uh, and the guys are always playing this, like, hip-hop for guys. I want to play hip-hop for girls, you know? Mm. I'm listening to this music as I'm getting ready. I want to hear that shit in the club, because mm. I'm rehearsing to hear it when I get to the club. Mm. And that's why I became a DJ. More than anything, it was just to make sure that I was playing music that I was resonating with, but I know that the girls were going to love even more. Yeah. Second last question. Yes. Where do you see yourself five to ten years from now? I mean, I don't know where I see myself. I'm definitely still broadcasting, mm. and I'll definitely have babies. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have babies, man. They're going to be many some MVP juniors. As many as I will be blessed with. Um, I know they're going to be babies left, right, and center. That's all I'm like. 
Yeah. I want to live. I want there to be a junior me. Oh, beautiful. There must be a junior me. Maybe times two, times three. Let's see how God wants it to be. MVP stands for most valued player. Ne? Most valuable player. Yes. Most valuable player. Yes. Is that where you get the MVP part? Yes. In terms of your. your I'll tell friend. you the story privately. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. MVP oh, is this is what I love about player. my job. We <laughs> hear things privately. And then the last question is: What are your success tips for young people? Like. Podcast that doesn't mm. okay. I've been trying, I've been sending CVs, no opportunities are there because, yeah, Sakoisha man, mm-hmm. employment things are really not looking well for young people. So, what would you say are your success tips for young people, and what message of hope do you have for them? Success tips are oh, tips, the English is going <laughs> when it comes to tips in terms of just going on and going strong. I mean, I'm, I'm also from a space where I have. Many of friends, for example, have just been retrenched. I have mm. people that I know that studied and got their bursaries but are still unemployed. Mm. So I'd like to count myself as fortunate and blessed in yeah. having this opportunity and still making something of it. But that's like I said, we need to go back and ask ourselves, what value can you give yourself to show people this is how you value yourself? Mm. I know now that when I walk into these doors at Y, mm. I'm not just Ayanda who is just here to do a radio show. I'm an under-MVP who managed to leave the station and come back and bring even more judgmentation to it mm-hmm. because I understand what my value is and what I'm bringing to the table. Nice. So you always have to ask yourself, geez, I want this opportunity, but what am I bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. That's why someone will always say at an interview, tell us about yourself. Mm-hmm. When you tell someone about yourself, tell them what you value. Tell them what your values are and what you've managed to achieve or accomplish. Mm-hmm. I've managed to be a straight-A student in high school. I've managed to stay focused and not go out while my friends were going out mm-hmm. because I know that I'm a very driven person. Yeah. So from you living those daily things, those small things that you do, like drinking water before you go to bed, mm-hmm. I know that I'm determined. I know that I'm focused. The small mm-hmm. actions that we do, like if is it just kwanisinkini and you know it's not your turn to wash the dishes, but you wash them anyway. I know that I'm a team player. There's so many things that we can take from what we do in our daily lives yeah. and we have to look at ourselves and say, as a person, more life thing, I know who to focus mm. because every day I'll probably read a verse in the Bible. Yeah. I know that it's Tandaza because I know that I have faith in myself. I know that I'm helpful because I always make sure that my parents are sorted before I go So look at yourself first and ask yourself, what value do you bring to the table outside of you even having a job? And then after that, you can see how things can fall through. Because your personality or your behavior, yeah. psychology, speaks for itself in how you behave towards the environment around you. So if you're not employed, but you see there's waste lying around everywhere. Maybe five rand for all these empties. You know how those um, street hustlers do it? So we always need to ask ourselves, what value am I bringing? That's the biggest thing for me. Because mm-hmm. What value am I going to bring to them? I can't just be Ayanda who was on radio for five years, yeah. you know, coming back to one. No, what am I bringing to the table? I'm bringing energy. I'm bringing oomph. I'm bringing different perspective on conversations. Yeah. And I promise you, you will want me forever. Well, where does the more life thing come from? I've been wanting to ask that. More life thing comes from being at Y. So <laughs> back in the day, I had to stand in, when I had started doing graveyard shows, they yeah. saw the potential in me. They're like, okay, Tando Tabete was still on Y back then. Mm. She was doing 12 to 3. Um, so she was getting ready for that transition from her leaving Y going to 5. So I started standing in for her because also the girl was gigging, man. You know, she was yeah. out here. So I was like, let me stand in, you know, uh, do what I can. But how are people going to remember me? How am I going to be memorable? Okay. So I remember my friend and I back in high school, 
we used to use the term more life in, in random things. Okay. We're just like, yo, Chomi, I'm more life in. And we're both Zoom people. And we <laughs> took this word and we just ran with it. Yeah, more life in. After school, more life in. Yeah, sure. And then that's when I started using it, when I was standing in for Tando Tabete, before 12 to 3 became my show. Mm-hmm. I was like, so as a person, more life in, what's your, <laughs> what's your duty when you get to a bride? Are you the one who starts the fire or are you the one who's the salad set? Yeah. Maybe you're the one who's on the ox cable. Mm-hmm. More life in. Let me know. Yeah. And for some people, it was so irritating. This, who's this girl that keeps saying more life in? <laughs> you still hadn't memorized my name yet. Because, I mean, I say my name and then maybe you forgot. Yeah. But I was always that girl who said more life in. And that's how the culture of more life in started growing. And I was like, I'm taking this with me to the white people. <laughs> I took it with me to 947. And I was like, more life in. And then I was like, what is this more thing? <laughs> like, no, more life in means in life. It generally yeah. means in life. So I'm happy. More life in. More life in. And it's still and I don't even say it often anymore, but every time someone sees me or people know me, whether you know I under then and now, you always call me more life in. More life in. Guys, there you have it. We had a very inspirational conversation with Uayanda MVP. Thank you so much for tuning in and make sure to subscribe to our channel. This is the Minted Couch with Gadi Dijani. Stay tuned. Bye.